Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 8-16-2023 and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for those who have called in and uh, sacrificed their time for us. Uh, we pray that as we do, that you will give us the wisdom that we desire <clears throat> and we will know you better. Father, we pray for the families associated with Word is Truth. There are many. Uh, you can think of the Presley family, the Hatt family, the Heurich family, the Sneed family, the Myers family. The list goes on, Father. All the things that are on our hearts, you know what they are. So we lift them before you now so that we can focus our attention on you and your Word. Give us that wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, as you know, we've taken a short break, but we're back. We are still in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Believe it or not, we're on the last two verses. Verses 12, 20, and 21. So, Romans 12 has been interesting. And I say that about every chapter, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe you, you, you think I'm just saying that, but really, uh, I'm, I'm learning and growing leaps and bounds as I go through these chapters. Uh, I'm just amazed, even though they've been in front of us for 2,000 years and counting, that we are still, the Holy Spirit is still, able to teach us and help us uh, come to a better understanding of what truth is, what our purpose here is. So I'm just overwhelmed at times thinking about it, uh, some of the things I've learned. Uh, I, hope, I hope the experience is uh, the same for you, that you are also benefiting and growing through some of the lessons that we have uh, undertaken especially the book of Romans, man. It's been fantastic. And Sunday we have Galatians, so cherish the moments. We never know when things will change. <clears throat> so as it is, we're in Romans chapter 12, verse 20 through 21. It, it reads, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, that's what we want to talk about. And you should all have notes. As we live in this world, there will be those who stand against us. Their reasons for disliking us may be many, and sometimes we may earn their hatred. We are privileged to be in this world as an extension of God's eternal purpose. This calling will necessarily generate hatred and declared enemies in this world. Our enemies oppose our purpose in this world and they stand against us. This goes deeper than surface hatred and we must keep in mind the words of our Lord. Quote, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. 
if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's John 15, 18, and 19. So this is where we are. We're going to cover these two verses, 20 and 21. Let's get, let's get started. And point number one, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So the first thought is, contrarily, instead of acting in kind to enemies, uh, that we covered that already, sort of in Romans 12 and verse 17, which reads, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So when we think about <clears throat> how to overcome evil, and he's given us, instead of going down that road of revenge, and I know we talked about uh, last time the feuds that go on between people, okay, uh, we, the Hatfields and the McCoys, we, we talked about that, and how after generations down the road they didn't even remember what they were feuding about but they just had this antagonism this hatred toward one another so there is a better way for God's people in this world so let's think about the source of the hatred and the antagonism towards us because it's not the same as the Hatfields and the McCoys it's a little different we got to talk about what are some of the thoughts that engender this type of hatred against who we are in this world. So that leads us to point B, which is some directional thoughts on who may be our enemies. Let's talk about it. So it'd be easy for us to just talk, you know, talk about, uh, oh, just be nice to people. You know, if somebody's your enemy and they treat you bad, just be nice to them. You know, that, that, but that's really not what we're dealing with in this passage. So that's why we need to stop, look at it, make sure we understand the purpose behind their hatred and how we counter it as far as God is concerned. Point one, those who are our enemies have this opposition because... They resist what we stand for in this world. What do you stand for? Why are you here? So those two questions, I have a couple scriptures right, to, to read. However, before I read those scriptures, just think about it. Why is there going to be hatred? Why is there going to be uh, enemies of us? What did we do? What did we do to create it? We didn't do anything. I guess a person would say, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Why are you my enemy? So that's what we need to understand, that we're here for a purpose. We're not just here shooting the breeze, marking time. Uh, you know, here just like everybody else, trying to find our own way, make a good living for ourselves. And, you know, the American dream. You know, we're not here for that. Now, of course, we may have thought that growing up and coming to the... But as we come to the knowledge of the truth, we understand our true purpose in life. We begin to orient to a different purpose, a different hope 
that is before us. And that's what generally drives us while we're here in the world. It doesn't mean you can't have fun or you can't enjoy things or it just means that your overall purpose in the world is defined. And as we come to know what the Father's purpose is, first it is about awareness, coming to know what it is. Then it is about embracing what the Father's plan is for our lives. But that quickly gets to loving the Father's plan. His plan becomes our plan for our lives. Hence, this is what Paul said, uh, I'm not, even though I'm, I'm here, I've been crucified with Christ. And the life I live is not my own, but his life. So that's the thought, right? We have to think about it. So a couple scriptures, some of these you have heard before. The one I half quoted was Galatians 2.20. But 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 is one of the ones we have talked about more so. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, so this wants all people to be saved is part of the purpose we're here. God has us on the ground. I mean, we're not the only method God uses to, uh, to, to, to get people saved. There's an internal witness, as we know, which is the Holy Spirit, who is always at work inside unbelievers. Now, it doesn't mean he indwells them. It just means that he's working, trying to bring them to the consciousness of Christ through the bad news. So uh, that is going on all the time. God the Holy Spirit never sleeps. He never slumbers. He always is at work. Now, of course, when it comes to us, <laughs> we take time off. We take vacation. Uh, we got to sleep. We might be tired. So things have to be just right for us to witness often. Sometimes we just might not feel like it, you know, but... We, we do get that renewed energy when, when a witnessing opportunity comes up. But as ambassadors or ministers of reconciliation, God uses us in this world. Those of us who know the way of salvation obviously can be used. But then there's the second part of this verse, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So coming to a knowledge of the truth is really found in our, our chapter, Romans chapter 12, where it talks about that we may, that we, you know, uh, ought to stop being conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing <clears throat> of our minds. And then we will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we can fulfill these two objectives in our lives, then we are fulfilling what God wants us to do while we're here in the world. Now, the, as we said, the renewing of our minds is not just, well, learning how, uh, what the, you know, the golden rule is, but learning the Ten Commandments so we could be good. That's not what our purpose is in the world. Not to say we shouldn't do that, but that won't be sufficient to satisfy our calling. Our calling is we don't have the same purpose as Israel. God has called us. We are heavenly people. 
Well, our home is not in this world. But the little so sojourn that we have here, God says if we allow him to use us in this world, then he will reward us at the judgment seat of Christ. So let's keep it going here. It's Ephesians 3, 7 through 9. What are our mar marching orders? Ephesians 3, 7 through 9 says, I became, this is Paul's testimony. However, even though I, when I read this, I am motivated by what he says and how he says it. Because I, I could see the drive and the motivation, the hope, the, 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 the intent, the purpose that he has in his heart. I can see it. So it motivates me. So let's just, let me just read it. Verse 7. Oh, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are our marching orders. We should be right behind the Apostle Paul in this regard, and obviously the other apostles. Because his intent, my intent, should be the same as yours. That that's what you're doing here. Somebody says, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is what you're doing here. Right? You're, come, you're, you're, you're partnering with God in the salvation of those who, you know, who will come to believe. And you're coming to the full knowledge of the truth, the realization of your call, of why you were chosen in him before the creation of the world. So this is, this is what drives us all. And I already kind of half-quoted Galatians 2.20, which says, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. So again, there's Paul uh, showing us what positional sanctification is, as well as how experiential sanctification looks in his life. Let's keep it going. So point two, we're talking about our enemies, right? The directional thoughts on those who may be our enemies. What are they opposing? What are they mad at us about? Right? This we need to know what they oppose. Okay, point number two, the opposition is satanically inspired. And this may be seen by religion in believers or unbelievers. Just keep that in mind. It's not just, oh, all believers are going to treat us with kindness and respect. No, there could be believers that are antagonistic and hatred and hate us. So we have to keep that in mind. So let's look at a couple of these passages. John 16, ones you know, and some you may, you may not. John 16, uh, 2 and 3. Jesus says, <clears throat> They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think, 
They are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. So Jesus had a lot of trouble with the Jews during his uh, ministry. And they appealed to everything they could to try to say, hey, I, what are you talking about? Uh, why, we're the ones who are Abraham's uh, ch uh, children. But anyway, let's go to the uh, Psalm 69. There's a couple more verses. Psalm 69, 4. Let's look at that. Uh, <clears throat> see what that has to contribute to let's go here Psalm 69 for here the page is turning so here we go <clears throat> 69 for those here it is those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head many are my enemies notice without cause those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. So, <clears throat> so remember, we talked about the fact that it's satanically inspired. So why, if you were to stop and say, well, why do you hate me? And they would not have a valid or logical reason to hate you. For instance, Christ came healing the sick, all manner of disease and illnesses and uh, demon possession in his time he did good he fed people the 5,000 with fishes and loaves of bread and yet with all that he did they thought he uh, was worthy of death they said no 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 crucify him so all he did was good he would wake up in the morning and he would do good works he would do good works from the father I mean, miraculous works, not just, hey, I helped an old lady across the street or did something over there. No, he did miraculous signs and wonders. And the more he did, the worse it got for them. They wanted to kill him, especially when he raised Lazarus. And uh, they said, that's it. Now we know we have to kill him. That was in John 11. So keep in mind, and then Psalm 109.3, very similar. So if they don't know why they hate him, guess what? They're not going to know why they hate you. Uh, so keep that in mind. 109.3, who, <clears throat> wait, I'm sorry, it's not 109, is it? Yeah, it's 109. I'm on the wrong verse here. So 109.3 says, with words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me, and, and again, without cause it's it, this is why we have to understand it as satanically inspired in fact many times you'll be attacked for just quoting what the scripture actually says many people have fought me was they were angry and I said hold on hold on don't be too angry yet because I just want to make sure you you know that I am only quoting a scripture here and they say, oh, wait a minute, wait, what do you mean? Well, you, what you're objecting so, uh, you know, boisterous, boisterously is Bible. It's what the Word of God actually says. So it's kind of interesting to see that play out. But point number three, <clears throat> not knowing the Father 
or Jesus reflects their ignorance or rejection of the Father's plan. That, that's taken back from John 16, 2 through 3. Remember we read, uh, they'll put you out of the synagogue and they will kill you. And the reason is, is because they do not know Christ and they do not know the Father. Why, why just the Father? Because it was the Father who sent Christ and it was the Father's plan that they rejected, that now Christ has, uh, which is, to, in their minds, sinful. They think doing away with the Mosaic Law and you know, you know, switching from Israel to the church, that whole dispensational idea is something to be stoned. Uh, you know, they killed Stephen in just that way, in fact. Point four. We will not regret our purpose in this world. However, they may repent of their opposition. Now, this is an interesting scripture. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. Let's read this one. 2 Timothy 2. A lot of scriptures tonight. 25 and 6, right? So it says... <clears throat> well, actually, let's go to 24. Let's, let's look at 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Think about this. Remember, we are not here to argue with people. Our objective is to teach, to find, if we can, an opportunity to teach. And if we're not able to, to, to do that, that's one thing. But I remember always, I looked up that Greek word that says able to teach. And what does it mean? It means always ready to teach. As soon as the opportunity presents itself, we're ready to teach the word. So now, but if you're angry and resentful you, and quarrelsome, you, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be in a position to be able to teach. You're not going to keep your wits in your head about you because you've fallen into the same uh, temptations that they have, which is anger and hatred and bitterness and all this, right? So. This is what he said. Lord, sir, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able, apt to teach, not resentful. Opponents, get this, must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Remember we saw that? Our objective was... That all men, God's objectives that all men be, will be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. There it is again. This is our objective here when those who are opponents or those who oppose us. And, verse 26, that they will come to their senses. Notice, because and, 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 in some sense they're delusional. Why? Because the word of God is right there. Right. These things that we are talking about are right there in the Word of God. It's not like it's, we pulled them out of our hat. That's a uh, Mormon metaphor there. But anyway, it, it is right in the Bible, the things we're saying. Here's a good example, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone, any man should boast. Well, the scripture says what it says. It's clear, very clear. And there's no way that that's going to be contradicted, that salvation is now going to be something else. Well, we know that 
the Bible says that. They are railing against that. So all you could do is what this verse says. Don't get excited. Just be gentle. And, you know, we do this in the hope, right? And this is, when it says in the hope, means we're always praying inside. Because remember, there's two things going on. While we're witnessing on the outside, God is doing a work on the inside. So in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Notice who is really behind their delusion, Satan. It is him and he has them all confused they don't even realize that they're uh, going against what the word of God teaches uh, who notice the devil who has taken them captive to do his will this is a believer right this is we, we, it can happen to believers so if you start going down the road with them you'll be involved in foolish and stupid arguments this is verse 23 don't get involved in it. Be ready to teach when the opportunity presents itself. Now, don't think about failures. We all have failed in this area. I don't have to say we all. I could say I certainly have. Uh, I have lost it. I have done everything under the sun, probably, the wrong way, so that I had to learn the hard way that this is, this is the way to go. And the Lord's still probably got some teaching for me to, to, to learn more in this area. Got to be gentle. We got to always keep in mind what is the goal here. I understand that this resentment and hatred towards us, the opposition, is satanically inspired. And this is, could be believer, as I said, or an unbeliever. It doesn't matter. Let's keep it going. Point five. Back to our notes. This is the scripture of John 15, 20. Remember, Jesus says what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they, and that, a lot of people don't really focus on this last part of the verse because this last part details what the issue is. Here it is. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So notice, it's not just about, well, they hate me because I sing songs about Jesus at work or, or something. No, it's that you will have the same teaching. What will be coming out of your mouth was the same thing that was coming out of Jesus' mouth. His, the mind of Christ, the new age information. And they're going to hate you, yes. But he's saying, don't worry, you're coming after me. You're, you're saying the things that I taught you to say, so don't be surprised when they persecute you. But remember, if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Do you find those gems out there among all those people who are hating? You're going to find people out there who want to believe the truth. Six. <clears throat> Our teaching is, comes from the Father and is deposited in the mind of Christ. We get all this from uh, John 16. Uh, delivered to us through the Spirit of truth to the apostles. Right? Now we could extend that more. We could say now the apostles uh, 
there are also pastors, pastor teachers, there's evangelists, right? There's more that we can say about uh, the delivery of this information to us. But the apostles had, you know, it was committed to writing. This is why we have uh, the, the New Testament. We have this, our instructions in writing. Seven, our enemies are not really our enemies. Let's think about that for a moment. If, if it's people that we are fighting with or people that are opposing us, which when it talks about our enemies, that's generally what we're saying, they may be pawns of Satan. That's true. And that's how uh, Satan doesn't care about those people. They're just pawns. But they are those for whom Christ died. We have to keep that in mind. So ultimately... They are a part of our mission field. And we were enemies of God at one time. And it just, that's Romans 5.10. We were all enemies of God. We were all on the side of uh, antagonism toward Christ. Now, not only is this so, this is five, no, 5.10. For if, while we were God's enemies, and there it is, we were God's enemies at one time. That was when we were in Adam. And it could have been while we were saved, but still ignorant. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So, so again, we were enemies. Let's have some compassion when it comes to other people who may have taken longer to recover from the snare of the devil. Right. Uh, but they're ultimately our mission field. Think about it. Uh, and who better to witness to them and strategize uh, but those who have come from the same place and darkness and antagonism that they were in, the same shoes they walked in. Who better to witness to them? So point, that was point seven. Point eight. What's our appeal? Our appeal to them is the teaching of the Word of God from the Spirit of Truth, right? So, so we have those two things. We got the Word of God on our side. The Word of God says what we're saying. Now, of course, uh, you have to check me on this, right? If you see me teaching something, you say, well, Doug, where will you get that from? And uh, it's not in the Word of God, then I stand corrected. So when I say that we have the word of God, we have the truth, I don't want to just hang on those words. I want us to always keep an open mind as we hear the Bible, uh, we read the Bible, we hear these things. Uh, we got to make sure we test them. That's what it says. Paul tells us, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Right? We don't just swallow things just because somebody says them. They have to be demonstrated in the scriptures. Now, trust can go only but so far. Right? We can trust a person because we have they have demonstrated to be trustworthy. But if they don't, if they stop, you know, do they start doing things that are uh, not wise in the scripture? Then we have to we have to look at that and make decisions. So, but we only have two sources to convince people. It's not our shining personalities. It's not our sparkling smile. It is two things. The Word of God is on our side and the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth 
works not only inside us, but it works on them to, to help to convince them of the truth. So there it is. Those are the, ten, the, the eight things that are the directional things about enemies that we should know. So let's keep it going. Uh, point C, in doing this, right, this is back to our verse, right? It says, <clears throat> if you're hungry, is, if, you're, if you're hungry, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Right? Uh, and it says, in doing this, right, and doing, what are we talking about here? This is, that is, treating them with kindness and respect. What does it mean to give your enemy water or something to eat? It means, instead of returning the evil and the hatred and the vitriol that may be coming toward us, we have to treat them with kindness and respect. So it doesn't mean just get a cup of water and throw it in their face, right? <laughs> I know, I joked, I joked that way, I know, but uh, that's my sense of humor. But that's not the Word of God. But the Word of God says, by giving them a cup of water, and this is a sign of respect and care for someone. Well, he's not saying you have to give them water. That's not literal. So treating them with kind and respect uh, and kindness and respect gives them the opportunity to hear from the spirit and not uh, be provoked to anger and remember there is an inside work going on so what we can see is the outside yeah they were angry towards us but when we don't return it we, we literally become a mirror for them so when somebody argues and fusses and fights with us, instead of us returning that, we don't. We're kind. We're gentle. We're, we're ready to teach. We're looking for opportunities to teach. And guess what? They see themselves instead of being able to respond to our anger. So, so with all that going on, the Spirit is working on the inside. Just keep that in mind. So we, we always want to think about what's going on on the outside as that which is prominent. But really what's happening is the spirit of truth is constantly at work on the inside of people. We have to trust that that is going on because it is. It's the reality. Point D. It will heap burning coals on his head. So this seems to be a proverb, right? And you can find these uh, this verses and uh, I'm going to turn to it since we have a little time we may even be getting we might be finished tonight Proverbs 25 21 let's look at it okay 25 21 if your enemy is hungry give him food to eat if he is thirsty give him water to drink in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So interesting, in the Old Testament, this was also so, uh, the case. Now, why would this be the case in the Old Testament, as well as the New? Is because this is not. This is just wisdom in how we conduct ourselves while those who, who are in the world under God's calling. So Israel had a calling before God, and so does the church. Similar things happen to both. 
when it comes to opposition. Israel had tremendous opposition, and so does the church. So there are some axioms for understanding how to deal with that. Listen, so this is from Wikipedia. You could just go to Webster anywhere. Just to look up, what is a proverb anyway? Um, <clears throat> it's, it's a saying which is that, that expresses a perceived truth. Uh, it, based on common sense or experience. It's a wise saying, right? Proverbs are often metaphorical and use formatic, formulatic language. So <clears throat> the thought is, when, when, you hear, when you read the book of Proverbs, you can't look at everything as, oh, see, just this, you know, this happens, you know, or uh, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. It's, you know, th they are axioms. They are words of wisdom of how generally we should operate. It doesn't mean that we, you know, um, that we give people something to drink or, or eat. We just act in kindness to them. You don't return evil. Don't repay evil for evil. When people see that you're not fighting, then and they see they're the only ones fighting, then there's not much more uh, they can say. Right? They'll see quickly that you do not want to fight. So a proverb, that's what's happening, what it means by to heap burning coals on his head. That's exactly the thought, right? It's a traditional saying, as, and they're metaphorical language. Point E, so then... It is a wise way to handle opposition, generally speaking, right? So, obviously, you may fail in handling opposition, and it may take some refined behavior and, and more learning. It actually takes growing up, right? As you grow up, you're able to control uh, your emotions a little bit better than you were when you were a child. So, the idea here is that we handle opposition strategically thinking about not only uh, God is at work here this is an opportunity perhaps if not then that's fine too we don't want to destroy our witness before that person so these are things to think about point F don't take it personally well <laughs> this is what happens when somebody is, is directing hatred and and a lot of conversation that's evil towards us, we tend to take it personally. Well, what did I do? Why are they saying this to me? Oh, I must, I'm, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to fight back, right? I, what about my rights here? This, this is what Jesus says. If the world hates you, and it does, keep it, and it will come to you. If, you have, if it hasn't happened yet, well, it will. Keep in mind that it hated me first. And that's the thought here. Uh, and, you know, we're only in this position because we're in Christ. The more you learn of him, the more these things will come to focus here. Now, if you walk around and don't open your mouth at all in the world, then nobody will know where you stand. People are not just going to look at you and say, I can tell you're a Christian. <laughs> I don't know what criteria they're using to tell it, but if you don't open your mouth, if you don't talk then people will not know. If you don't express yourself when it comes to this, you get along fine with everybody. So it's just like what it says in John 15. If 
if you follow the world, the world will love you. They're, they're not going to hate you. Because remember, hatred is only directed toward our purpose here. And once you open your mouth and you declare what your purpose is, oh, believe me, people will begin to take sides. Yes, people are going to hate you for, for taking a stand. But that stand is not <coughs> your purpose. It's the purpose of our Lord. He says, hey, don't worry. They, it's the same thing I got. And if you're going to come after me, then you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. So let's look at this last part of it, and then we're going to see if there are any questions out there. Uh, so point number two here is this last part of the verse, and this is the last verse in Romans chapter 12. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the over, overcome, it means, the Greek, is, it means to subdue, literally or figuratively. Conquer, overcome, prevail, get the victory. And that all comes from strong. Point B, <clears throat> this world is evil and has been judged. It already has been judged. We don't have to worry. Yeah, you could go judge the world and say, yes, it's evil, and I've declared that it's evil. No, God already did that. It will be eventually be destroyed. We are not here to fight for a losing cause, but for the eternal purpose of God. And we already quoted Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. It talks about um, why we're here, the purpose for why we're here. But the world, you know, causes and things in the world that people have taken up and the fight for, we're not going to be able to conquer this world. This world is evil, it will be destroyed. You have to decide how you want to live your life in this world. This is your opportunity, and it's your call. Nobody, I, listen, we can talk about this is what God wants us to do, this and that, but it is up to you, it's your life. And you have the choice whether you want to surrender to God and say, okay, God, use me. The presence that I have in this world, I want you to have that presence. I want you to, to be in me, being manifest in me in the world, just like the Father was when Christ was here. Christ can be walking in your shoes, in your, in your shoes, but it is only by your volition. Will you allow it? Now, of course, for those who do, there will be rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. For those who don't, there won't be rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, which we will quote at the end. So that's the thought. There's a lot of things going on in this world. What is your goal? What is your aim? What are, what are you doing? Somebody stops you and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> What's going to be your answer? Well, I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got, to, got to, I got things in the world I'm working on. What are you doing here? Why are you here? Those are questions only you can answer. I can't answer them for you, and you can't answer them for me. I can only answer that for myself. Well, if it's a pursuit that's in this world, well, it's like investing in a company that you know is going down. <laughs> it's losing money. And you've given your hard-earned money to that company. You, that's not wise. I can, I can go on, but point number... C, don't be so occupied <clears throat> with evil that you forget 
why you are here. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Don't be so occupied with evil in this world that you forget your reasoning for being here. This is an interesting verse that's found in the heart of the tongues uh, debate that was going on in Corinth. So it's interesting that it says this in verse 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. Wow. That's, he called them children in 1 Corinthians 3. He, so literally, to stop thinking like children. Now here it is. In regard to evil, be infants. In other words, have a childlike understanding when it comes to evil. But in your thinking, be adults, be mature. So... There it is. When it comes to the world, which is evil and is passing away, and all that's in the world is passing away, it's going to be destroyed. He says, "Be infant, infants. Don't don't be don't be experts on the world. Don't be so knowledgeable about the wisdom of the world that you forget what your purpose is in Christ." See, so, so it, it's almost it, this is a. a a good way to, to introduce the purpose for tongues. And the law is written with under tongues and, and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. He's introducing the purpose for tongues here. And he's telling them, don't get him, stop being involved in evil. But in your thinking, be adults. And that that's the same thing, right? You could be so occupied with the things of this world, the allurements, the entertainment, all the things that are in this world that you could kind of lose your focus. You could lose your mind because you're so occupied and so intent on fulfilling all of these desires that the world has for us that we might not understand why we're here in the first place. Why did God call us from eternity past before time or creation began? Point D. Hence, <clears throat> God does not send children out to battle. Where should they be? They should be in the place of learning. <laughs> so, so it was interesting as I was writing this, I was just looking outside, uh, quite interesting that the kids came over and left the, the shades up so all the shades were up this morning so I was looking outside and there was a squirrel on the fence so it caught caught the corner of my eye and I stopped as I was right I looked at the squirrel and the squirrel was very clumsy like he I've seen squirrels run across the, the top of the fence like no problem this squirrel was trying to run and falling off falling off this side and grabbing the, clutching the, the fence because he couldn't. I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with this squirrel? He must be a baby squirrel. Then, next thing I know, he falls. Bam, and he hits the ground. And he doesn't even fall like he caught himself. He fell and on his back. I'm like, what? He didn't climb back up the fence. He took off and went under the fence. I said, boy, he must not have any experience at all. So he needs to learn. It's funny, I'm writing this, and then I turn it and I look, and there's a squirrel, not experienced at all. So I was thinking about if it was a predator out there, he would be easy prey for that squirrel. 
But anyway, that's the thought when we think about us. If we're children in our understanding, if we don't have the focus, the experience, the wisdom, then we're just like that squirrel in the world. Fragile. Not able to contend with the things that are going on, the changes that are in this world, the opposition, the enemies. Not going to be equipped for that. So what? You stay home. We don't send you out to battle. Stay home until you get some learning. This is why I said the first thing when it comes to the Christian way of life is to be is is not just to go out and put some tracks in your hand and, and go out there and tell people. It is first of all learning discipline to learn so that you can have the focus. It's interesting in, in our natural maturation as children, we grow up and there are tests along the way. Well, if you don't pass this test, you don't go to the next grade. You don't pass this, you don't go to that, you don't pass that. It goes on like that. So there's a level of learning that we have. Some schools less, some schools more, but there's a level of learning that school has given us so that we are prepared, supposedly, for the world. And God has the same thing. He says, is, you don't just think you know what is the Christian way of life. You have to learn. You have to allow the Spirit to teach you. That's why we focus here on teaching. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Entertainment later. Right now, teaching. Even though we do have fun. Point E. Don't let evil conquer you. So don't be overcome by evil. Evil seeks to conquer you. You conquer evil with good, and that is divine good. For this, I have 1 Peter 4.19. We're almost nearing our time. 1 Peter 4.19 says, So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. <clears throat> Peter has a lot to say about this. So, I, I would say, read some of what Peter has written in this chapter. It will, it will help emphasize what we've been talking about. That the hatred and all of that is very directional. Our enemies hate us for a reason. And the reason is because we have a purpose here. And they know it and they hate it. I already spelled out what our purpose is. So point F. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us, may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, we're not suffering to no end. We're not here just, you know, for God's, you know, pleasure that he can see us squirming or, you know, it's tough here. I know it is hard. However, God is saying that there will be eternal rewards for those who allow God to use them in this world. That's what it means. Now, the fact that there is a judgment says that there are choices to make. Yes, you, you, you don't have, you can be saved by grace. It doesn't require you to do anything. But 
to receive these rewards that God's talking about? Yes, it does. Uh, you, it doesn't affect your salvation in, in the least. You have eternal life. You will live with God. You're in the church. All of that. But <clears throat> this is what God has icing on top of the cake. We, we will be rewarded for the things done while in the body. That's this time that we're talking about right here. So we're going to stop right now. We'll, we'll pause for a minute to see if there are anything. But this completes the uh, Romans chapter 12. So next time we meet, I would suspect we'll be in Romans 13. Uh, another good chapter to, to, to really think about. We'll be in it. Romans 30, chapter 13. So we'll stop right now and see if there are any questions, thoughts, comments on anything we have discussed. Earlier uh, in the discourse, you had quoted, a, I think it was a scripture you quoted, and it wasn't one that I think I've ever heard before. It was in regards to... Um, the negative connotation towards those that was opposing to God and you mentioned something about as many as the numbers of hairs on, on his head. Oh, it was a psalm. Yeah, psalm... What, what, what psalm was that? So, let me see. Psalm 69.4 and psalm 109.3. I think it might have been 109.3. Let me just look at it. I'll look at that first, yeah. So one on, oh no, it's, it's 69.4. Yeah, I thought it was 69.4 says, those who hate me <clears throat> without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Yeah. So those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. In other words, there's so many of them. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, uh, those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Notice, he's saying, I have to be kind, even though I didn't do anything wrong. Now, in, in context, this is Solomon referring to what he's going through? Yes. This well, you, I, I, you, you were a little. Mom, I didn't hear exactly what you said. These are what, I think. What was your last comment? This was, oh, was it Solomon going through? Solomon, no. Oh, what he was going through? I would say David. I would say David. David, David. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was so. <clears throat> this even we talked about the reason why, this is because Israel had a call. And to to that God had uh, you know God given them a place in the world. Remember, He even told Abraham, "Those who hate you, uh, there there will be those who uh, who favor you, those who hate you." Right? And sure enough, Israel was hated in the world, and it was because of their calling. A lot of people in Israel don't realize this. Maybe they do. I can't speak for all of them, but. I could say that they didn't fulfill their purpose 
in the way God designed. So, um, but the ultimate example is that their hatred, there was hatred there for their purpose. Now that we're in the church, we're under a new call, a new purpose. We can expect that there is hatred. Now notice, there's hatred also from those who were Jews. Uh, they instigated and put Christ on the cross. So Paul said, as, for, as far as the gospel is concerned, they, the Jews, are enemies for your sakes. In other words, they're in, a, they're in opposition. They do not believe the gospel, and they don't want you teaching the gospel. So I'll pause. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, I just, uh, I never read that scripture before. So it just caught me off guard. So wow, I never heard that. Never read that. Yeah, yeah. So, it's... so that's just an illustration of what, of what, of what Satan is doing now, even. Yeah, I mean. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Opposition is certainly out there. I mean, the more, like I said, the more you open your mouth out there, the more people will know where you stand. Of course, if they don't know where you stand, then the hatred could be minimized. <coughs> so that's the thought: is you allow God to use you? Oh, He's going to make sure uh, through you, people know where you stand and who you are in this world. Satan already knows who you are. <clears throat> but as you open your mouth and speak the words of Christ, the thinking of Christ, then people will know and they will take positions. So that is what's going on here in the world. To that extent, like I said, uh, we've all seen it already. If you haven't felt the hatred for the positions you hold. And, and we're not just saying hatred <coughs> for any position. Oh, you know, I grew up and somebody did something to me or I did something to somebody when we were kids and, and this person hates me now because of this or something. That We're not talking about hatred in that sense. It's going to be hatred because of this cause. Now, there may be suffering in the world because we may have dug our own uh, or earned it, as I said earlier. But we're talking about a specific hatred that is the, these verses are speaking about. We don't want to just generalize this and say it's all hatred. It's only for a specific uh, purpose here, that people will hate you. And then their hatred will be without cause. Remember, it will go back to the ruler of this world, who is Satan. They won't know <clears throat> why. They are opposing you, but that's those verses we read. They hate me without reason, without cause. 
satanically inspired. I'll pause. I would say uh, uh, organized religion. Um, you know, in, you know, there's organized religion that, uh, especially those that oppose grace uh, and supplant grace for their own righteousness. In other words, they have a way that they can please and reach God uh, without God. Uh, they figured it out. And um, so they have a, a salvation that depends on what they do. Right. And they mix it with good. And uh, so, yeah, there's hatred uh, when you oppose those institutions, which are many in the Christian church today. Uh, when you oppose them, oh, don't worry, they'll let you know. <laughs> well, not only that, like you said, <clears throat> just the word grace. Right? If you, they can use the word grace now because it's in the Bible, but they don't mean have the same meaning of grace. They don't have the same meaning of faith. They don't have the same meaning of saved as you might. And when you explain that to them, oh, then the hatred will flow. You don't have to worry. It will flow. And then there's another source of hatred, and that is... The, the new dispensation, you know, when you tell people that we're in Christ and we're not under the Mosaic law and, you know, we have a new calling and we're not Israel and, you know, all of that, <clears throat> they hate as well. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about, well, either one, they don't, they don't want to get into details about salvation. Why? Because the word is going to prove that salvation is there by grace. It is free. And they don't want to talk about the new dispensation because uh, it is clearly there as well. And it's the oddest thing that people seem to refuse to have conversations and about the most important things there are in, in life, of course, to us anyway, maybe, but not so much to them. But yeah, <clears throat> you'll see if the opposition... If you, if you want to see this verse come true, well, uh, you probably already have. If you haven't, just stand by. You will see this. A lot of uh, scripture is spent letting us know. Keep in mind, if, if the world hates you, then it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Jesus' words. All right. Thank you guys for your thoughts. We will close. And, look, and I'm looking forward to Romans 13 next week. Romans 13, 1 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We'll talk about it next week in more detail. So let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. Thank you for those who were here and gave their attention to these scriptures before us. We ask, Father, as we depart, that you would 
watch over us, our families. We, we, are, we continue to pray for those who, who are on our hearts, those who are sick, and those who may be struggling financially or with other issues in the world. We pray that they may have wisdom and that you will equip them, Father, through the difficulties. We thank you for this Bible study and we pray that we will continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.